Amen. All right, I'd ask you to open your Bibles now to Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> the book of Ecclesi Ecclesiastes. In Afrikaans, what do we say? Priediker, is that correct? Priediker, Wolfstick Siva, chapter 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And we're going to begin this morning by reading verses 2 to 6. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 2 down to 6. And Solomon writes for us here, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. You understand the two houses that we're dealing with. One is a funeral home. The other one is a party house. In verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Verse 5 says, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. For the next few minutes this morning, we are going to talk about this one particular house that you saw mentioned a couple of times. We're going to preach this morning about the house of mourning. The house of mourning. If you would bow your heads with me, let's ask God to help us. Father, thank you for this opportunity, this privilege to gather as cold as it is, Lord, in this room, and we can feel it. We ask for the warmth, for the heat, Lord, to... to, to fill our souls this morning you said to be hot or cold so Lord we got that figured out we're cold on the outside we want to be hot on the inside please Lord guide us as we take a trip this morning to the house of mourning I pray you'd help us to walk away the better for it and we ask this in Jesus name amen amen now mourning just so that we are all on the same page let me tell you exactly what it means and how I intend to use it this morning Morning, as it is spelled here, not when the sun rises up, obviously. When you have the U in the morning, it changes everything. Morning means to express grief or sorrow. It is the expression of grief or sorrow. You can think of it this way. It is the outward expression of an inward pain. You might also think of it maybe in fancier terms that mourning is the garment that sorrow wears. So that is the appearance of sorrow. And I got to thinking about various things that would cause somebody to mourn or to have that inward pain of sorrow. I think I've narrowed it down to three things. Something that is lost. Something that is regretted and something that is hindering you from doing what you want or need to do. Let me elaborate on those three things just a little bit. If you have lost a job, if you have lost a friendship, 
If you have lost possessions, maybe to fire or theft, or you pressed the wrong button and you broke it, <laughs> you can feel a certain amount of pain over the loss of that person or that thing. As we've seen in these few verses, the loss that is specifically mentioned is the loss of a loved one, the loss of a person to death. And these are things, <clears throat> forgive me, <clears throat> I think would be obvious. They would cause an inward feeling of sorrow. And then there's also regret. Something that you have done wherein you have disappointed others, you've disappointed yourself, or worst of all, you know that you've disappointed God. Regrets can cause multiplied sorrows and not just for one day or week but sometimes for years your soul hangs on to regret and it causes sorrow and thirdly things that hinder you obstructions if you will to your joy would cause great sorrow uh, think of it maybe like this sickness certain sicknesses would cause you not to be able to live life the way that you desire poverty can certainly be an obstruction or a hindrance. You cannot do the things that you would like to or need to do. You can think of this in a spiritual way. Somebody could be uh, experiencing demonic oppression. They're struggling spiritually to get over a certain hump. I even thought about maybe broadening this an unfair system maybe a political system, maybe your workplace. You know that your boss works under the table while you're trying to work on top of the table. You know what I mean. Maybe it's culture, the society in which you live, the sphere in which you live. Things don't operate in a way that sits well with your conscience and it hinders you. It causes you sorrow and pain to look around at what other people consider acceptable when you know deep down this is not right. I think those three things sum it up nicely. What causes pain and sorrow? I think it's also true to say that none of us actively seek out sorrow and pain, do we? The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that no man has ever yet hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. And that's not wrong. That's fine. We see the evil and we hide ourselves. We try to avoid pain and sorrow as often as we can. But if you're alive, it is an unavoidable truth that pain will be a part of your life at some point. It is an unavoidable fact of life. Many people spend their entire life trying to play hide and seek with sorrow. And sorrow comes around the corner and you just will do anything to escape spending time in the presence of sorrow. And I understand this. However, when sorrow is unavoidable, are we on the same page when I say that? When it is unavoidable. When life brings you to the doorstep of the house of mourning, rather than running as fast as you can the other way. It's time to enter into the house of mourning 
and learn the incredible life lessons that you can find in the house of mourning. Therefore, I would like to tell you a story this morning about a trip that I recently took. Many of you don't know about this trip, so just follow along with my story. But I recently took a trip to the house of mourning. And I want to tell you about that visit that I had. Might I preface this story by saying, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. As I got to the house of mourning, I knocked at the door, and slowly the door opened, and I was greeted by the the kindest face I think I had ever seen. An older man. You could tell by the look. He was he had that ancient look about him. Hair white as wool, like the Bible would describe. But at the same time, when he greeted me, his voice didn't sound old at all. It didn't sound tired or frustrated to see me. He was so glad that I had knocked on his door. I had never met him face to face, but he seemed as if he knew me. He spoke to me with a brotherly kindness. I extended my hand. I said, hello, sir. My name is Mike. He said, I know you well. And I'm glad you've decided to finally stop in for a while. I said, sir, may I have your name? He said, oh, forgive me. I should have told you. My name is Sorrow. I said, should I call you Uam Sorrow because this is South Africa? He said, said, I'm not that kind of Uam. For those of you that are not Afrikaans, that's Uncle Sorrow. (laughs) He said, you can feel free to just call me Sorrow. And I said, well, well, thank you, Uam. (laughs) It's it's hard to get over that cultural aspect, isn't it? I said, oh, thank you, Uam. He said, no, no, Sorrow will be fine. Come with me. I'd like to show you around. Let me give you a tour of the house of mourning. I said, that'll be very fine. Thank you. And we, we proceeded into the, into the house, and it was a beautiful house, well kept. And we walked down the hallway, and we were passing rooms left and right. And as anybody that is a first-timer in a new place, your eyes tend to wander into each room, and you just want to see where you're at. And there was nothing really fantastic that jumped out at me about each individual room. You could just see that it was well kept, furnished, clean. We kept walking, and I thought, surely at some point we're going to take a left or a right and enter one of these rooms. We kept walking and walking and down this long hallway. He said, uh, he was, of course, in front of me, speaking to me as he led me. He said, I know it might be a bit strange, But the first room I'd like to show you is the master bedroom at the end of the hallway. And a little bit confused, like some of you, the look on your face, I thought, why are we starting at the master bedroom? And when we got to the master bedroom, he opened the door and he could see the confused look on my face. And he said, "Uh, would you like to ask something at this point? I said, well... Sorrow, I'm just wondering, why are we starting at the master bedroom? Usually a a house tour starts in the living room or the dining room or something, but why 
why the master bedroom he said he said Mike did you bring your Bible I said well matter of fact I did because everywhere I go I carry a Bible don't you we got I, I pulled out this small Bible that I always carry with me he said well just take a look at Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2 and you'll see why we're starting at the master bedroom I said all right and I read there it's better to go to the house of mourning I said well I'm glad I'm here than to go to the house of feasting and he said well look at that next part closely I said all right for that is the end of all men I said I see I see he said Mike at the end of the day which room do you go to I said well at the end of the day I go to the bedroom now unless you're a a naughty husband right and you have to sleep on the couch (laughs) that's usually where you go at the end of your day you go to the bedroom and this is where you lay down to rest and it is at the end of your life that they will carry you to your grave and somebody will say in a very solemn voice we lay this person here to rest this is the end of all men and sorrow in that very comforting tone he began to explain to me he said you see Mike and we stepped inside the master bedroom just one step is a beautiful room beautiful He said, you see, there's an end to everything under the sun. Everything in life, even the good things, eventually come to an end. Money, it'll come to an end for some of you sooner rather than later. (laughs) Health, it'll eventually run out. Sorrow looked deep in my eyes and he said, "Uh, isn't it true, Mike, that some friendships come to an end? I said, yes. Yes, it is. It's it's hard to bear, isn't it? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, Mike, sometimes marriages come to an end. Even if it is not through a divorce, eventually through death, that marriage will come to an end. I said, boy, that's a bitter pill to swallow. He said, yes, I know, but it's true, isn't it? I said, yes, yes, sir, it is. He said, you know what? Sometimes your kids grow up and leave home. And it's the end of their time in your home. That can be quite painful. I said, sorrow, you're telling the truth there. He said, you see, all things come to an end. So, Mike, I'd like to tell you something. Can I give you some advice? I said, oh, please, yes, sir. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And sorrow looked me deep in the eye again. He said, Mike, pay attention. Take heed. Value these things that I've just mentioned. Value them while you can. Don't take them for granted. Make the most of every moment. Make the most of every cent that God allows you to have make the most of every opportunity whatsoever your hand finds to do Mike do it with all of your might because eventually the opportunities that life affords you will end make the most of all of them Mike don't take for granted the relationships that God allows you to develop with people be careful to maintain those relationships maintain them 
by having a genuine honesty with those people. Maintain them by treating them the way you would like to be treated. Maintain them by applying biblical standards to the way you treat people. I was mentally, I didn't have a pad and paper, but mentally just taking this in and allowing who appeared to be this ancient soul, Mr. Sorrow, to write these things upon my heart. I didn't want to forget one word. Again, staring me deep in the eye, he said, Mike, the truly precious relationships in life take time. They take effort and they take endurance. He paused as I did just there. He paused and he said, do you know why I say endurance? I said, well, remind me. He said, you remember that verse in Corinthians that said charity, believes all things, hopes all things, it endures all things. If you're going to have a relationship worth having, you have to go through some things. You can't run away every time pain sets in. Sometimes you'll have to bring a friend to the house of mourning. Sorrow was teaching me a wonderful lesson. and To this day, I haven't forgot it. And he could see as he was speaking to me, I was, I, I was, letting, I was drinking these things in, letting them soak in, and, and I couldn't help but look around. The room itself was so beautiful. It was so ornate so well decorated and well kept to the bed all the sheets the duvets the pillows the extra pillows had to have had a woman's touch because if a man makes a bed there's a pillow just a pillow right why are there 17 other pillows I don't need them I don't need to sit up while I sleep <laughs> put a pillow and that's enough but the bed was incredibly decorated. The pillows right where they should be. The bed post. There was a valet at the end of the bed. A, a, a sitting chair there. The, a, a bench at the end so you could also sit to put your shoes on. There was a standing closet, chest of drawers, a vanity. There, beautiful drapes and curtains. I mean, this room, the lighting, oh, was just amazing. The paint on the wall, you could see that it had, whoever did this, really put time and effort into this room. They made it so special. And sorrow could tell that I was impressed with this room. I just looking around and just kind of starstruck. I said, uh, Mr. Sorrow, can I ask you a question? He said, anything you'd like. I said, as we were passing through the house, I couldn't help but let my eyes dart into the various rooms. And none of them seemed to be that decorated or overly ornate. But this room, it seems as if it's a different house altogether. This room is, there's been such great care and time put into the decorating of it, to the keeping of it. Why is that? He looked at me and he smiled. He said, well, Mike, as I mentioned earlier, this is the final room. This is the last room of the, of the day. This is where you end up. This is where everybody ends up. 
He said, if this is going to be your final room of the day, wouldn't it be nice to lay your head down to rest in a room that has been well taken care of and decorated someplace that you could enjoy? I said, makes sense. He said, Mike, let me ask you like this. If you're going to take a long trip to a, a faraway destination, do you pack more in your carry-on or more into your checked bags? I, I thought about it for a second. I thought, what an odd question. It seems so obvious, right? If it's a long journey to a faraway destination and I'm going to be there a while, obviously I would pack more in my checked bags than my carry-on. He said, you see, Mike, if you know you have a long journey to make and when you get to that faraway destination, you're going to be there a while, you probably want to pack appropriately so that when you get to that destination, you have everything you need. You can be comfortable and enjoy that destination. You don't need as much while you're on the journey. He looked at me, he winked, and he said, Mike, be sure to lay up treasures in heaven. I say again, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He said, Mike, that's enough time in the master bedroom. There's another room I'd really like to show you. I spend quite a bit of time here myself. I said, please, I'm interested to see. He took me back down the hallway. We walked past a couple other rooms and then took a right. He opened the door and my, my favorite room in the house, man, that, that room, books after books after books, just shelves of books everywhere. Nice, big, mahogany desk. Because we live in 2020, there was a computer on the desk. <laughs> this is, and Sorrow looked at me, he said, this is, this is my study. Now, because of the day and age in which we live, this is also called the home office. This is where people go to do paperwork, computer work, but you can also sit down because there were a couple very comfortable chairs in front of the desk and one behind the desk. This is where you could sit down and do some reading. But anytime you would like to have a quiet sp space to think, meditate, work something out, this is where you would want to come. You'd come to the study. I could see as we were entering the room, he flipped on the lights and I was looking around as most of us do, right? You look at the pictures on the wall and I noticed there was a plaque behind his desk and he said, Mike, have a seat. I sat down in the chair in front of the desk. He sat down behind the desk and as I looked up, I could see this plaque and on the plaque, you wouldn't believe it, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 3 was on the plaque. Sorrow is better than laughter. I found it a little ironic since it was Mr. Sorrow sitting underneath of it. Sorrow is better than laughter. He could see me looking at the plaque. He says, really makes you stop and think, doesn't it? I said, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. He said, you know, not too many people can understand that statement. They don't, take, they don't stop long enough to really examine the truth of this everybody would generally choose to laugh rather than cry. But if you really stop and think, Mike, 
stop and think while you're in the study you'll really get more out of sorrow than you will laughter falling deep into thought I, I tried to process that statement and I wanted to see does it match the experience that I've had in my life is that statement true he could see me contemplating and he said Mike think back in your life remember all those hard times you've gone through those times where you felt like you were in Gethsemane, which by the way, the word Gethsemane means an oil press. When you felt pressed out of measure. I said, yes, I can remember those times. He said, you know, we like to call it the gold being tried in the fire. He said, when you think about those times in your life, what has been the outcome of those times? I said, well, they always lasted longer than I expected. He said, yes, I'm sure that's the case, but what was the outcome? And I said, well, they were always difficult and I felt like quitting. He said, I have no doubts, but what was the outcome? And I said, well, now that you, now that you press me to answer and really think about it, in all of those hard times when my sad heart ached till it nearly break if I think about it those are the times in life that I drew closer to God than I had ever been those were the times that I relied on him more than I had ever relied he said Mike if you stop and think about it isn't this true that your tribulations worked patience and patience brought about experience and then experience brought forth hope and if I'm not mistaken Mike you'll say amen to this that hope didn't make you ashamed you didn't regret going through it because through it all the love of God was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost which was given to you haven't you found that to be true in your life that all things work together for good to them that love God and I said yes sir I found that to be the case he said, Mike, haven't you found the truth of these words to resonate in your life that when you were weak, God has always been strong? And it was in the times of your intense weakness that his strength, his strength is always the same, but his strength was manifested more in your weakness and you got to see God do more in your life than you had ever seen before. And the memories you have of going through those valleys of the shadow of death and how God brought you through it to the other side, those things have shaped your life more than any joke, more than any party more than any laughter he could see that really got to me and it did I started to think about all those precious times that I thought I was finished and how God had brought me through and he said while you think on that for a minute let me just make a phone call real quick he picked up his phone he talks to somebody you could tell it was somebody he knew probably a relative of some sort the way he spoke to this this gentleman he put the phone down. He said, I, I just, if you don't mind, I've called my friend to come over for a bit, uh, somebody I've known for a long, long time. We're distant relatives. He said, I, I think you'll enjoy meeting him. I said, all right, no, I, I look forward to that. We continued to commune just for a few minutes, and he was telling me stories, and I was drinking in the wisdom. About that time, 
knock at the door. And, and it wasn't just a knock. It was one of these. And I thought, well, that's not something I expected in the house of mourning. A little bit of levity. And sorrow said, come in. And the door flew open. And this young vibrant young man he with a smile from ear to ear he said hey hey, uncle sorrow man it's good to see you he said how you doing sorrow said laughter it's good to see you too why don't you have a seat right here next to mike I got up and I shook his hand and I said, laughter is good to meet you, I'm Mike. And laughter said, it's good to meet you too. That big goofy grin just ear to ear. And he sat down and, and you know, he had a difficult time keeping still. Do, do you know some people like that? You know, they're, they're just so full of life. They're just bouncing around. They can't, he was just kind of wiggling in the chair and a big smile on his face and and sorrow continued to speak to me because we were in the middle of a conversation he continued to speak to me and share with me all these experiences and and advice but I couldn't help it as I'm looking at sorrow I'm trying to focus because that's the polite thing to do when somebody's talking to you is to look them in the eye I'm just saying but I couldn't help it out of the corner of my eye I kept seeing laughter in this other chair you know in my peripheral vision I could see him and he was just sitting in that chair just kind of you know shoulders bouncing around and this massive grin on his face sorrow is talking about these solemn events of life and laughter just <laughs> you see what happens when somebody has this massive grin <laughs> you I, I, it, it doesn't work the other way around because all of you have masks on so I can't tell if you're smiling or not but I couldn't help it I kept getting distracted I wanted to know why is he grinning while sorrow is telling me all this important stuff you see folks entertainment is so much easier than edification I, sorrow could see that I was a little bit distracted he said Mike you okay I said you got to forgive me I, I just laughter is he's kind of making me want to laugh I said I, he's got such a big grin on his face and he said well I, maybe I shouldn't have called him here but I think there's an important lesson that you could learn from this I said well man I'm I'm sorry to make you go through all the trouble of bringing laughter from wherever he was at. He said, yeah, it was quite a long distance that he had to travel. It took a while for him to get here. I said, well, yo, then I felt bad. I said, I would have been happy to go to your office. And laughter looked at me and said, I don't have a study. I'll just let you think about that for a bit. Sorrow looked at me and said, yeah, Mike, uh, laughter is not known for having any place to sit down and contemplate. So I had to ask him into my office. I said, well, 
Mr. Sorrow, I, I, you got to forgive me. I'm so sorry for getting distracted. I said, laughter just has a way of pulling my attention away from the things that are important. I said, if you don't mind me asking, I am very curious now. We were having such a good conversation and then you invited laughter from way over there to come sit in the office and you haven't asked him to say anything. He's just been sitting here. Why would you put this distraction in the room while I'm trying to learn. Sorrow leaned over his desk and he said, Mike, there's always a place for laughter in your life. I said, all right. He said, don't you remember that proverb that says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine? I said, yeah, you know what? I do remember that. He said, you see, there's always a place for laughter. He said, you, you still got that Bible on you? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, just look at Ecclesiastes 3. Let me show you verse number 4. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 4. Sorrow explained to me the context that Solomon was talking about how there's a purpose for everything in life. And in verse 4, he said, you see, Mike, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's always a place and a time for laughter, for dancing, for expressions of joy. And right about that time, laughter. He leaned over and he touched my arm and he, with a big smile still on his face, he said, Mike, let me, know. Let me tell you something. I'll always be there when you need me. I'm always up to... For, for having a good time. I always want to be there to cheer you up if I can. But I want to tell you something, Mike, and I mean this with a big smile on his face. He said, you'll never enjoy me as much if you don't listen to what Mr. Sorrow has to say. I said, laughter, what do you mean? And Sorrow, Mr. Sorrow jumped into the conversation right there and he said, let me explain, let me take this one laughter because this is a bit deep. He said, you see, Mike, laughter, merriment, mirth, all of these things are truly enjoyed the most with people that you love, respect, feel comfortable with, trust and care about. And I had to stop and think about that for a minute. I thought, you know, that's true. Those relationships that I worked so hard on and had to endure through and I went through tough times with them, it's those people that I enjoy the most, that I can feel comfortable to laugh. He said, Mike, listen, if you want, if you want to achieve this, this place of joy, this laughter, this mirth with the right people, you're going to have to apply the lessons that I spoke of earlier, making the most of every moment, of taking seriously the relationships in your life. Otherwise, you'll find it incredibly difficult to laugh. Laughter then, he, he said, Uncle Sorrow, can I say one thing about that? And a big smile on his face. He said... He said, Mike, listen, I love to laugh. I can't get enough of it. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't listen to what sorrow has to say, and all you want to do is spend time with me, you'll get bored with me real quick. The people that love me most are the ones that listen to what sorrow have to say. And I'm taking this in thinking, I've never thought about it like that. That if I were to spend all day long at laughter's house, I would get bored and I would cease to laugh. I'd never thought about that. He could see that this was sinking in for the first time. He said, uh, Mike, let me read you something from a book that Sorrow recently gave me. And laughter, he pulled out this book, is written by Ravi Zacharias, who is now the, the late Ravi Zacharias. He said, Mike, this is laughter, mind you. He said, Mike, these words, even though I love to laugh, these words carry a great deal of truth. He read to me, he said, the greatest disappointment and resulting pain you can feel is when you have just experienced that which you thought would bring you the ultimate in pleasure and it has let you down. Pleasure without boundaries produces a life without purpose. He paused to let that sink in. He continued reading. He said, Mike, that is real pain. No death, no tragedy, no atrocity. Nothing really matters. Life is sheer hollowness with no purpose. He said, Mike, do you understand? A very important part of life is pain. I know you don't like to feel it, but sometimes you can't avoid it. When it happens, stop and think. Let that, let Mr. Sorrow teach you what you need to know and your heart will be made better. I said, that's an excellent lesson. I appreciate that. It's about that time laughter looked at Uncle Sorrow. He said, uh, Unc, I better get going. I got other places to be. Sorrow said, I appreciate you stopping by for a minute helping us with this. He said, you travel well now. He said, Mike, let me, Sorrow took me, you know, tapped me on the shoulder. He said, let's, let's, let's move to another room. I'd like to show you this other room. It's a special room. We won't take long there. We proceeded out of the study, down the hall, took a left. We ended up in what he called the living room. I've found since I've come to South Africa that you guys have different names for it. I've always known it as a living room, but some of you call it a sitting room. Others call it a lounge. If it's all right, I'm going to call it the living room. <laughs> we sat down in the living room. He's on one couch, I'm on another facing each other. And the room is not greatly decorated. You know, there's not a lot on the walls, but there are some pictures. And, and as I looked around, I noticed that each picture had a heart on it of some sort. Either it was part of the picture frame or the picture itself. There was a heart involved in every picture. I looked at the pillows on the sofas. 
Again, it had to have been a woman with her touch. There were hearts on the pillows. I said, man, you could see the theme of this room was hearts. And then there was one pillow right next to Uncle Sorrow where he was sitting. And somebody had taken time. You know, what, what does it, uh, not knitting, but is it crocheting where you can sew the words into a pillow? And you could see the words there and the verse underneath. It said Ecclesiastes 7 verse 4 the heart of the wise it says the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth sorrow said he, he, he could see I was looking at that pillow with that verse on it he said, Mike, have you noticed this? I can see you looking at it. I said, yes, sir. I, as a matter of fact, I'm a little curious as to what that means because Uncle Sorrel, does that mean that I have to constantly be in a state of sadness? Am I never allowed to visit the house of happiness? And he says, oh, Mike, that's, that's not the point at all. He said, let me explain this to you. You cannot stay here in the house of mourning for extended periods of time. If you, if you did, Mike, you would be overcome with much sorrow. You would grow weary of me. And God knows you can only come to the house of mourning for so long. But once you've learned the lessons, once you've allowed me, Mike, to teach you the lessons you needed to know and to shape your life, those lessons will remain in your heart. And your heart will remain in the house of mourning. Your body may not. You will go elsewhere. But the lessons you've learned, the attitude of your heart, the shape that your heart has taken, it will never leave you. He said, Mike, we're not going to stay here because I don't want you to be overcome of much sorrow, but let me just emphasize to you, I want the principles that you're learning today in the house of mourning let them guide you in every aspect of your life and it's in that way that your heart will live in the house of mourning I said I think I understand your point I think I get it he said don't forget what laughter just pointed out to you if the guiding principle of your life is fun and pleasure, if you think that is the ultimate goal of life, then you're actually going to end up more miserable than you could imagine. He said, Mike, don't you remember what Jesus said when he was talking to the church of the Laodiceans? They told him that they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. And Jesus told them they didn't know that they were wretched, miserable poor, blind, and naked. They didn't see how bad things would end up. He said, Mike, we're not going to spend long here. Let your heart remain in this room. But it's time for us to begin to exit the premises. We need to move on. But there's one last place that I'd like for you to see that's connected to the house of mourning. I said, I'm most interested to see what else you have to show me. He said, come on out here. I think you'll get a kick out of this. He walked me back to the front door. 
he opened it up and he said this is a part of the house a lot of people ignore but it's an important part of a house especially a South African house I said what do you mean he said well Mike this is South Africa so I am saying goodbye in the living room and now that we're at the door again I am telling you goodbye Lekadach Ferrer have a wonderful life I'll see you again soon I'm sure but we need to have yet another goodbye because this is South Africa two is not enough we stepped out onto the porch the veranda if you will and it was a very nicely decorated nice it was a comfortable area you could see how somebody would sit out on this porch as the sun was going down and enjoy a nice cool evening and we walked out onto the porch and you know you could see there were a couple steps where you would head down the walkway out to the street and so forth and we stopped there on the porch and he said Mike hang on just a second I think you'll enjoy this part stop and listen just watch listen to the crowd as they go by I said okay and he stood next to me I to him and we I paid attention as obviously traffic was moving two ways just foot traffic no cars what a wonderful society and you could see moving one direction just a few people just a few people with their Sunday best go to church clothes they had Bibles under their arms they were moving together as families talking with each other and you could hear in the distance the direction they were moving you could hear a church bell ringing one of those old fashioned you know hundred years ago church bells and just a few people not many just a few heading towards that church bell Bibles under their arms you could see on their faces they were excited to get to go that way but sorrow said Mike do you hear those church bells I said man I haven't heard those in a long time he said that's the old way right there he said you see how how those people moving together enjoying that I said yes I do he said now now you gotta listen close listen to what's coming from that and I I kind of leaned, leaned that direction to hear what was coming from the other way. And in the background, you could hear this, this music, upbeat, fast-tempoed, make-you-want-to-move music. And there were, you could, if you listen close, you could hear there were people shouting with excitement while the music was playing it was I think the best word that I would use to describe it was a ruckus it, there was just a ruckus and you know it sounded like a party more or less which is why I turned to sorrow and I said well I guess this just proves that people will always prefer a party instead of going to church I thought I had it figured out I thought that was the lesson he was wanting to show me because there were so many more people going towards that ruckus sound. So many more. I said, it just proves people like parties more than church. He said, <laughs> he giggled. <laughs> you wouldn't expect sorrow to laugh, but he did for a moment. He said, now, Mike, that's funny. He said, bless your heart. That's not what's going on. 
I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you still got that Bible on you? I said, yes, sir. He said, let me show you how this story ends up, verse five and six. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This is also vanity. I said, Mr. Sar, I'm not quite sure I understand what you're wanting me to see in this. He said, Mike, let me explain. You see these people, some moving towards the sound of the bell, some moving towards the sound of the lively music. I said, yes. He said, they're, it, they're all going to church. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand, you know, the ones carrying their Bibles heading towards the church bell. I could pick that crowd out. But all this other crowd, they weren't wearing Sunday go-to-church clothes. They didn't have Bibles with them. He said, Mike, where they go to church, they don't need Bibles. They just put it up on the screen. I said, oh. And he said, that music that you hear, that's not rock and roll or hip-hop. That's, that's a worship team. I said, oh. He said, yeah, oh, yeah, man, that's the popular thing. He said, you know, if you go to that old-fashioned church where they ring the bell and they carry a Bible, you know what you'll find in that old-fashioned church? You find something called the mourner's bench where at the end of the service, after the people have been fed the Word of God and rebuked by the Scripture, they actually come forward and kneel down at the mourner's bench and pour out their heart to God because they want to make things right with God and with their fellow man. He said, Mike, but if you go down the road to where they're having that, that thing that sounds like a party but is actually a church service, they've taken out the mourner's bench. He said, there it's all about the fun and the excitement. It's about entertainment, not edification. Sorrow, losing that smile that he only briefly had, he said, Mike, it's a sad truth, but you need to know this. Some people, they do want to hear what they're doing wrong so that they can make it right and walk with God and their fellow man in an acceptable way. But other people, they're, they're only satisfied, they're simply satisfied within an emotional display that excites them just for the moment and like a wave that crests and then crash crashes the foam just disappears quickly he said that's that's kind of what happens if you head down the road that other direction it'll be fun for a moment but as soon as the crackling of the thorns as soon as that fire burns out you'll be left with ashes He said, Mike, before you go, let me tell you something. Never trade fun and fundamentals. Never trade edification for entertainment. Never think, Mike, that the man who lovingly tells you what is hard to hear is your enemy, while the man who tells you what you want to hear is your friend. I said, Uncle Sorrow, that's some good advice. He said, Mike, you really need to get going. 
and we started down the path and, and when we, we started down the path, you know, a little sidewalk that goes out into the street, I looked over in the yard and I, the, the most glorious smell. Oh, Uncle Sorrow had a poiki cooking in the yard. Can you believe it? This is a lekkersite African heist. I mean, is it? <laughs> and, and a poiki, so um, in English, what will we say? A, a stew pot. <laughs> but like, like you would see in a, in a traditional South African home, he had the wood fire. Not just a gas stove, but a wood fire. And, and I, as we were walking down the path, I, I said, whoo. Mr. Sar, are you sure I can't stay a little longer? That smells like it's about done. He said, oh, no, no, now you need to get going. And he said, but uh, since you mentioned it, let me just show you one more thing. He, he showed me that wood underneath the poiki. He said, take a look at that. He said, Mike, do you see it's not just wood? I've thrown other what we call brush, right? You understand the term I've thrown other things, other flammable things into the fire to help it burn. One of those being thorns. He said, Mike, listen to the crackle. We stood there for a few moments and I could hear the wood and the thorns and the brush. Crack, 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 crack. It didn't take long. The crackling stopped. He said, Mike, now you gotta get going. You can't hang around long enough to see this, but I think you'll understand it. You know, you know what's going to end up from this firewood and the coals that have burned and the brush that has burned. You know, you know how it's going to end up. I said, well, it'll be a pile of ashes. He said, exactly. He said, you see, those folks that are in it for the fun, it's like the crackling of thorns under a pot. It'll burn bright for a little while and it'll keep you entertained for a few minutes, but it won't be long and poof, the fire will go out and one day you'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ with a pile of ashes. That's all you'll get. I said, Mr. Sar, I sure do appreciate this time you've given me in your house. He said, Mike, listen, I would like to say come back soon, but I really don't want to see you here that often. But anytime you need to stop by, just know that I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. I'm here to teach you. And even in the time of lockdown with COVID regulations, Uncle Sorrow leaned over and gave me a big hug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He said, Mike, one last thing. Don't ever forget what Jesus said. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I said, Uncle Sorrow, I appreciate this. That really means a lot. I started to walk down the street, and, and right then, I, in typical South African fashion, right? We said goodbye in the living room, bye at the door, bye at the porch by on the path near the poiki, by at the road, and you need to turn around one last time before you go and give another bye, right? It's rude to just drive off without the seventh bye. Seven's the number of completeness, right? It's a complete goodbye now. 
I turned around to say goodbye and wave and just acknowledge my gratitude for him. Thank you, Uncle Saul. This has been a wonderful time. And when I turned around, and I promise you, this was the most amazing thing. There was no way that that old man had time to get back in the house. No way. At the very least, he would have made it to the porch. I expected him to be near the poiki. <laughs> but when I turned around, he was gone. That man that had that hair white as wool, but that brotherly kindness to his voice vanished. I thought, well, that's odd. Where did he go? And it was right then that I noticed. I didn't notice it when I walked in. There's a sign over the door with a verse on it. Isaiah 53 verse 3 and just one little phrase from that verse hung over the door I don't know if you're familiar with the chapter but anytime I see Isaiah 53 immediately it springs to my mind we're talking about Jesus the whole chapter is about Jesus so I knew when I saw Isaiah 53 this is about Jesus verse 3 the portion of the verse that hung over the door, it said, a man of sorrows. And then it dawned on me. The person I had been talking to, who appeared as the ancient of days, but spoke to me with brotherly love, that was none other than the man, the man of sorrows himself. Jesus, who was acquainted with grief touched with the feeling of my infirmities I'll never forget my trip to the house of mourning and I hope the next time you have to I hope it's not soon but the next time you have to don't just run screaming trying to avoid the house of mourning take a few moments inside let sorrow show you around let patience have her perfect work and see what you can learn from your time in the house of mourning. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed and Bortma will play something quietly. I want to give you a moment to reflect on what you've heard. Now, this was just my experience in the house of mourning. I'm sure it won't be my only visit there. But it does make you stop and think for a moment. This is the end of all men. I want to be ready for that. I want to have that last room in the house. I want to have it ready. I want to be ready for it so that when I lay down to rest I don't lay down with regrets I want to take time in my life to stop and contemplate why is this pain stinging in my heart what can I do to fix it I can't live physically in the house of mourning all my days but my heart can dwell there I can hang on to those principles that make life valuable. 
I was very glad to have met laughter. And I wouldn't mind it if he popped in every now and then. But as he said, there's more to life than just that. Isn't it true, folks, that in the day and age in which we live, people would rather hear a song than a sermon? They don't want to hear the rebuke of the wise. Pastor, just play me a song. Make it quick. Entertain me. Get me out of here. I got other things to do. Oh, friend, there's more. There's more. There's more to learn. Say, when I come to church, I want to be uplifted. I want to feel good. Sometimes your heart needs to be broken. And what better way to do it than to let the hammer of the Word of God chip away at your hard heart? Don't get bitter when life gets painful. Keep a soft heart. Let sorrow be your guide. Father, I want to thank you every time every time Lord I've had to make a trip to the house of mourning I have found your comfort your grace to be sufficient your counsel your care Lord I, I've asked the question before does Jesus care and I thank you for every time answering oh yes he cares I can't say the lessons you've taught me have been easy, but they've been worth it. And I want to pray for these folks and the ones listening at home, Lord. Possibly even today, they are in the house of mourning. God, might this be a very special time in their life where they feel your arms wrapped around them. Father, if someone today is not ready to go to that final room if they have never met the man of sorrows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior please today God put the necessary conviction in their heart to bring them to your son thank you for your time this morning Lord thank you for spending time with us and I pray please prepare our hearts tonight. We would like to be fed by you once again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.